Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby, and this is Max Rushton. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, as always, you got involved and tell us what you'd uh, achieved by the age of 13 after Sky Brown won bronze in the skateboarding. Yes. Uh, worth saying that many we couldn't read out. You can look at the replies on my Twitter yeah. if, you, if, you, if you have that sort of childish sense of humour. Dirty boys. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we did that. Uh, we spoke to uh, a man about uh, sport climbing, didn't we? Uh, Mike Langley, he told us more about uh, the art uh, and skill involved and uh, we've been enjoying it on the, the TV. And we talked Manchester City, Max, didn't we? We did with Miguel Delaney and look, look Jack Grealish, is a, it's, it will be fascinating to see him in a City shirt. Yeah, it will be. Um, so, and we had a chat and here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Max. Good afternoon, Paul. And uh, um, I see that Jack Grealish news is, is uh, it's quite a big deal, isn't it? £100 million pounds yeah. for anything. It's I mean, quite it's, a lot. It's, it's interesting because of the Euros. Um, we heard in the first... I mean, Lee Hendry was, was very open about it. He was on earlier on today. We saw him up in Birmingham from in the, in the first full week of the European Championships on the Tuesday. And he was telling us, you know, it was it was happening. I mean, we all knew it was mm. going to happen. It was just when. I suppose it's a matter of getting the player back from holiday so you can make it all official. But everybody knew it was going to happen. Um, uh, because, even Villa, because they've been spending some of the money. Of, of course, course, yeah. We're going to chat to Miguel Delaney from The Independent in a bit. But he tweeted a while ago, from November last year, Kevin De Bruyne was feverishly texting Guardiola after England played Belgium, telling him City had to sign Grealish. I'm interested to know how... How many texts a day is feverish? Fe- feverish seems like all the yeah. time. Like Pep's just there, just making his dinner, and his phone <laughs> is just buzzing. I'm not Kevin with, again. Not Kevin at KDB. Yeah. Honestly, Gaffer, get him in. Yeah. And, and you know Guardiola, but Miguel saying you know where um, he uh, he broke a personal rule of never discussing football on the golf course, which is a personal rule that Pep has. It'd be oh. annoying if Pep was your you know in your charity four ball, and you get Pep Guardiola, and you say oh. What was that time at Brazil like, you know, the third, you know, walking down the third, is it? I'm not talking about football. Well, you know, I'm not going to th- talk about football. If you think about it, he probably does quite a lot of talking about football. And for those sort of three or four hours when he can play eating holes and concentrate on another sport, it's probably quite nice. I mean, you probably need you probably need an outlet for that, don't you really? Yeah, true. But, yeah. um, but you'd have an expectation. I mean, if you'd paid, say, 50 grand in a charity auction. I'd really be questioning what I'm then- doing. <laughs> I would just say, suddenly TalkSport have really increased my wages. <laughs> <laughs> I fifty. I'm not paying 50 pounds. But- I don't want to play. I'm happy for Pep to have a great laugh. I don't need to play golf with him. No. I would, but I would pay to do it 
No. I, I wouldn't pay any money. To, if he wants to run a goal for me, that's fine. He doesn't have to pay me, but I'm not interested in have paying. Have you paid for anybody's company? I don't mean it in that way, Max. <laughs> I don't wow. mean it in that Let's way. Let's get down to the nuts and bolts. <laughs> I thought, there I mean, a, I meant... a dry spell in the When you get, when you get lonely, do you pay for a bit of company? <laughs> no, well, no, what I meant was, uh, in, a, in a sporting context, because that's often the thing, isn't it? One of the prizes that you're seeing a lot of uh, sporting events is you have an auction, you say, you know, who would want a round of golf with uh, Pep and Kevin De Bruyne? I think Kevin's always in a bunker, constantly texting, <laughs> saying, buy yeah. Grealish. But no, do you know what I really don't understand is when they say, you know, this person paid £150,000 to play tennis with Michael Gove. I'm like, why? <laughs> Who wants to do that? He's probably not even any good at tennis. Have you ever paid for someone's time? And talk sport <laughs> listeners, I know I'm I'm asking for trouble, but I'm talking about in that context, you know what I'm exactly what I'm talking about, that you boys at the back stop sniggering. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's do that. If you've ever gone down that route and, uh, and gone into one of these charity auctions and found yourself in the company of the stars. I've certainly um, been in a position where I have, you know, I've been not, they haven't paid for me, but they've paid for a day yeah. and you just, you get who you, you, you don't get, you just get someone. There's no choice. And I've sort of la- arrived on the seventh tee of a shotgun and I'm shaking hands, introducing myself to three people who haven't got a clue who I thousand am. thousand yards still. You know, and then Chris Evans walks past to the eighth and they're like, And oh, you can see they're broken why men. We get, why didn't we get him? Yeah. yeah. And uh, then you've got to turn it around. Your oh, first look, few holes, are, first few few holes are very big. They might though. be from the same company or mm. something and you say, oh look, Steve from accounts, he's got Chris Evans and they kind of look at you yeah. despairingly yeah. think we've got that yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's not really good at golf he's not, he's not helping us do let us know then in in, in what context did you uh, pay to spend time it's, it's no easy way of saying it no. uh, talksport.com text 8189 tweet it, it doesn't help either because one of the other text topics we wanted to do today was Sky Brown. You know, it's amazing. A, a bronze medal, amazing at thirteen. And the silver medalist was twelve. Right? Yeah. Extraordinary Olympics. And the question is, you know, what's the greatest thing you achieved hmm. when you were thirteen? Yeah. And that is also quite a dangerous question yeah. to ask people who are you know, <laughs> men. Especially. It's a difficult age. The women are sensible, but the yeah. men's responses on social media. Come on, we're not going to read them out, are we? An so Olympic, don't send those. Don't ones. an Olympic bronze medal at thirteen. What, what was your greatest achievement at that stage? Uh, do let us know. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. City fans would have been sitting there with a little bit of paper and a pen or whatever today, right, and looking at their fantasy lineup, maybe with or without Kane. They've certainly looked like they got Grealish. How does he fit in? Could there be casualties? Let's look at it from a city angle, from Chief Football Writer for the Independent, Miguel Delaney. Miguel, good afternoon. Afternoon. So, I mean, how do you expect City's front line to, to uh, line up with uh, Grealish in it? Well, well, the talk so far is that um, Guardiola primarily sees him as a number eight and will alternate with Gundogan. So I think that's maybe going to be his main role. Even if it actually feels quite, <laughs> quite particularly adventurous, I mean, if you're playing, say, Grealish and Kevin De Bruyne, you know, as, as, as two eights almost or as an eight and a ten. Uh, but I suppose the other side of that as well is, is with City and the way Guardiola plays, there's so much interchangeability between the attacking positions. There's so much movement and, kind of, and, and combination overlapping that you'd imagine in certain games will pop up in different areas. So I, I suppose, I mean, this, it's, it's maybe something in modern football generally, generally, but particularly pronounced with Guardiola, where our kind of traditional ideas of a best 11 and where a new signing will fit in uh, don't really tally with how Guardiola sees things. Which is a bit, you know, players really been able to play in an area of the pitch and do multiple roles there. But I, but I actually think one of the more interesting things about this is, um, and as connected to where he's going to fit, is that, I mean, really, Grealish is probably, and one of the reasons he's so good to watch and one of the reasons he so stands out in, in the Premier League is because he feels like such an old-fashioned individualist and a player who does revel when he doesn't really have structure, is allowed to get on the ball and, and basically come up with something that people can't predict or, or, or can't legislate for. Whereas Guardiola is probably the most structured manager in world football. So I think, I think it's going to be interesting to, uh, to see how that, how that pans out and how that, how that develops. I mean, I suppose there's, there's two potential skills. One is that Guardiola could really hone and complete Grealish as a player. Say, and I, I say it's interesting, the one that immediately comes to mind in that regard is the way the, what Alex Ferguson did with Andy Cole say. He just kind of changed his game but made him a more complete player and a more kind of polished player. Maybe we'll see like Guardiola. But the other one, as one City fan put to me at the weekend, is that, <laughs> as he put it, Jack Grealmarsh. I'd like him to rush the effect Rodney Marsh had in the 70s. You've got to sign him halfway <laughs> through a season to do that. Yeah, Not yeah, at the start true. of a season. Yeah, can, I, can I ask about, uh, I saw that your tweet saying that, you know, Kevin De Bruyne had been feverishly texting Pep. I just wondered how reg- how frequently, that, that sounds like quite a lot. That would sound like we get quite annoying. But just the idea that, has Pep always wanted Grealish or has it taken people to convince Pep that Grealish can do what Pep wants his midfielders to do? From what I understand, I mean, the interest goes back well over a year when he started to see him in the Premier League. And obviously, with the nature of modern transfers now, he would have been on City's radar much longer. These players like that are kind of are scouted forever. But then it goes to different levels until you get to the point where they're talking about whether he can actually work as a team. And so City had been interested in him prior to last, um, autumn, but what, what what I was told was basically that um, yeah, after England played Belgium, 
De Bruyne was so impressed that he immediately got on the phone to to, to Pep and started texting him. You know, like you know, almost manically, we we have to sign this player. Uh, and further to that, then I like I mean, I've been told from people who have worked with Grealish and played golf with, with Guardiola. Guardiola apparently usually has a rule where the, the one place he switches off in the golf course is the golf course. Because other than that, he's, he's quite you know intensive at the job. You know, the, the famous that he thinks about football every every half hour or whatever it is. But he broke his own rule when he was playing with people who had worked with Grealish and started kind of peppering them with questions about what he's like as a player, what he's like, you know, as a, as a guy. Uh, and, I, and I suppose kind of filling in the picture of where he can fit in from, for him. Can I ask a boring FFP question? If City mm. get Kane and they get Grealish, what does that mean? Do they have to sell a lot of players or are they, would they be fine? Uh, per- personally, I, right now, I can't see them getting Kane. Uh, for all manner of reasons, but I think most of all is that, and partly due to financial fair play, I don't think City will put up the fee for a 28-year-old that will, will actually persuade Daniel Levy to sell. And I, I actually, in that regard, I, 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 I'm not sure that the fees we've seen now for, for Grealish, which is 100 million, and the fee we might see for Lukaku from Chelsea, which could be up to 120, up to 130, help Kane's case. Because obviously Levy is going to want much more than that. Um, and so that, that, that's why initially the option that City had been exploring with Kane was to give you know cash and any any number of players they would have been willing to pull people like Laporte, uh, Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Silva, Gabriel Jesus, and even Raheem Sterling. But I mean, from the players' perspective, they they don't want to drop out of the Champions League to play in the Europa Conference League, whatever we're going to Spurs. So it's a no go for a lot of them, and means City may have to just stump up cash. Uh, and, and at the moment, and it, it points to another problem, I don't think City can, with FFP, I don't think they can pay more than $200 million, say, unless they offload players. And their plan had been to maybe get rid of one or two of these other attackers, who Grealish is essentially replacing. And that would be one of, kind of, of Mares, of Silva, and even Sterling, although his situation, I suppose, has changed a little bit after what was such a good... Euro 2020. But one of the problems with the market right now is there's very little cash in it. And it's not just City having this problem. Pretty much all the big clubs are struggling to offload players on big wages that they don't want. That's, that's why I, I, right now, I think it'll, it'll be Grealish and City may have to look elsewhere for a striker. Yeah, I saw some comparisons being made with the sort of money Madrid played for Eden Hazard at his age with only a year left on his contract at 28. But of course, that was in a pre-COVID world. And I was saying on the show last week that we needed one of these big deals to happen, Miguel, so the tariff could be set. Because where is the bar? Until one of these big global football deals are done, where's the bar? Mm. And if the bar is now 100 million for Jack Grealish, then that does give Daniel Levy, a, you know, say, well, if, if he's worth that, then, then a striker who's got the most goals and most assists in the Premier League is worth X. So now, if you like, the, the, the tariff has been set. Yeah, absolutely, and particularly for top players. Because I, I actually think, I mean, the market, which has been quite slow so far, I mean, which is uh, inevitable after, after what's happened over the last 18 months and the effect on football club finances, but it's been put to me in two ways. One is that it's a domino market in that it requires big fees to then create, create the flow of money. So, so you know, say even in Villa's case now, they have to buy replacements, then the, the, the replacement they buy off has money. But also that's going to be a split market where, most of the deals are probably going to be, you know, kind of <clears throat> loans, uh, free transfers, some sort of swap. And, then, and there's going to be a large gap then between that 
and the money for the really premium players, which is which is where I think the only place we'll see really big fees this summer. I, I don't think it's going to be a summer where you see too many kind of 30, 40 million pound moves, up, uh, or even up to 60 now, I suppose, with the markets involved. Um, bar from those clubs who make one big sale. Are you surprised that um, Raheem Sterling has been sort of uh, assigned this role as possible make-weight? I couldn't, oh, I couldn't find that staggering. I couldn't in a million years see him going to Tottenham, but, but that <clears throat> the Pep doesn't see him as part of his plans necessarily or, or would consider letting him go. Well, there's always been a bit of a lingering tension <clears throat> between them. Um, and where, I mean, I, I, I think there's also been a little bit of a case where I mean, as we were even discussing here, Pep is a very intense football manager. And I think with some players, they only have this, there's almost like a, a, a finite threshold of how much you can play in that sort of environment. And that's why even <coughs> managers like Alex Ferguson would, would change the team every three, three, four years. So players basically didn't get sick of them and, and didn't, get, didn't get kind of weighed down by the intensity of it all. And I, I think that's one of the factors feeding into the, to the fact that City and Sterling would willingly part ways that Sterling would be open to a move but it's got to be the right move and to a Champions League club uh, but of course again his situation has changed after the summer uh, but I think part of it is just about maybe freshening up the team a little bit. but it's interesting I mean like I think Manchester City put out the ad for their latest um, documentary although I'm not sure these, these, these productions can really be called documentaries anymore given they're so kind of sanitised and you know, club friendly and all the rest of it. But now this is actually a club production. But one of the lines in it was um, uh, uh, the chairman talking about the togetherness of the team. And that's, it was a lot that struck me, given from from everything we're hearing, there's about five or six of the biggest players up for sale this summer. Mm. <laughs> but but again, maybe it's that, it's that natural thing where the kind of 17 to 19 team that won two titles and a quadruple and hit 100 points, um, they, they feel it's an end of that cycle and now it's time to kind of refresh, refresh the team with kind of three or four big changes. Good to talk to you, Miguel. Thanks very much. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. What was the best thing you ever achieved at 13? Because uh, Sky Brown has won Olympic bronze, of course. Uh, yeah, Brendan says, I did a 26-mile charity walk around Birmingham when I was 13. No one was there to collect me at the finish. Something slightly metallic at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I apologise for that. Metal some, Max. <laughs> I've had some nickel inserted. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, my... <laughs> let's leave it there. <laughs> anyway, he says, there was no one there to collect me at the finish, so I had to walk two miles home, he says. That's a bit harsh after a marathon. I achieved it? second place at Woodland Middle School. Athletic. In their talent competition, I performed Beat It by Michael Jackson. Came second to a girl reading Road Goals <laughs> BFG to the audience. <laughs> Poor. That an achievement? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. What you've achieved at 13. Sky Brown, an Olympic bronze at 13 years old. Mm. Do you achieve, Paula, do you have achieved anything at no, I've barely achieved, well, I've, I've achieved very little now, so at 13 it, it, wasn't, it wasn't much different, really. When I was 13, I pretended to be under 12, says Ian, at the Nottingham branch <laughs> of the Deep Pan Pizza Company to get the buffet at a price of two ninety nine. <laughs> I demolished 15 slices. That's an wow. equivalent, isn't it, of, uh, of uh, a bronze medal. Uh, this is um, a text... Uh, I haven't got a name, but when I was 13, I watched England win the World Cup in 66 in the pub. Capital letters pub. No, 13 is, is young <laughs> and impressive, isn't it? I became the youngest drunken 13-year-old amongst my bunch of mates. I then went with, went with my best mate, David Glover, and his dad, Bobby, on a motorbike and sidecar to wow. the Royal Garden Hotel to see the parade, see them parade the cup on the balcony. 
What a beautiful moment that was. Lovely achievements. You're going to be reading an awful lot about Sky Brown, uh, 13-year-old uh, Olympic bronze medalist mm-hmm. in the skateboarding. But she has an interesting life um, for someone so young. Spent half her school year in California, uh, half in Japan. Um, she decided to represent uh, Great Britain I think through uh, her dad in, in the, this event. And, but she's talked a lot about life in the uh, Japanese school system. Um, she is the only girl on the, on the football team and cleans the lavatories with the other pupils. She explains school in Japan is strict. We have snack time in America, but we don't even choose our own food in the Japanese school. They put it uh, on our plate. The teacher uh, doesn't want us to talk while we eat. And if we don't eat the whole thing, we don't go outside. Wow. So we make, just like, it's like it was when I was at school. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't Not get a choice. Not been able to face beat root since. I, I didn't get a choice of, uh, mm. of school dinner. That's yeah. for sure. It was just dumped on your plate. God, it's grim. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just taking this at face value, but she talked a lot about the fact that she could have gone to compete for Japan and she clearly knows the mm. Japanese competitors uh, and, and likes them, uh, as we saw from the celebrations for a gold and silver. But uh, she decided it seemed a much more relaxed setup uh, in Team GB. And they said, look, just go out and enjoy yourself. Have whatever you like. And everything you can eat whatever else. you like. If, I mean, imagine that shot when she's in the village and she's sitting there shoveling it in there saying, look, you can leave that if yeah. you want. <laughs> you haven't got to eat it. Like but, the Vicar of Dibley Christmas special. But the Japanese apparently wished her well, but it was described in the uh, Sunday Times as through the most rictus of grins. I don't, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but... You know, can she keep going till she's, you know... 46? 40, 45, yeah. She's going to be Olympian forever. Must be, or or is be. there a time where you're just not cool enough in the skateboarding arena? You know, mm. you turn out you just don't quite have the right clothes on. Or yeah. Suddenly, because basically with skateboarding, I imagine, we mm. don't want to sound like an old man, your, your cap will be on backwards is cool for a while, and yeah. then it'll go forwards, well, they and then wear it'll go sideways. Because it's actually quite dangerous. That's an interesting point. But, yeah. you know, but when they're freestyling out of competition, and mm. if you turn up one day and your hat's the wrong way round, that's it. You are ostracised yeah. from the skateboarding community. Her life in California sounds, sounds idyllic. Uh, she gets she up, like? She gets up 5am to surf on school days. Okay. Then she'll breakfast uh, on uh, hot rice, raw egg and soy sauce. Ugh. Not the cornflakes. Maybe that's the secret. Did you chip uh, the raw egg into the rice, or does she have that on the side? Um, I don't know. I've got no idea. Hot rice, so the egg goes on top, yeah, okay, and it becomes fine. a, a kind right, of like egg a, fried like rice. A, a bim bim bap thing in a Korean rice. Yeah, no, yeah that's nice, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, after school, she has guitar lessons, uh, jiu-jitsu, go surfing again, or skateboarding. I oh. mean... What a life. That's I mean, a nice at 13, life, it? it's like, what was it? Adam Peat, he said he'd, he'd go home and play computer games and go for the odd swim at 13. You know, it's just what she's achieved is amazing. Well done to her. Yeah, well and done. Silver was 12, wasn't it? The yeah. Medal was a 12 the silver medal was a 12 How old was the gold medal? Um, Some ancient retiree. 82. 82. <laughs> yeah. That's been the odd thing about it. Sounds it. like a birthday spread here, yeah. isn't it? Okay. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Sport climbing, which is making its... Uh, competitive debut at uh, the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, there are three types of climbing. Uh, yep. The speed climbing, which we were watching earlier. Not many events in this games are sort of over within about seven seconds. Uh, lead climbing and bouldering. Now the jargon will probably be not known to many of us. So here to demystify it and get us in the mood for uh, more of these events and hopefully some possible Team GB medals, which we're obviously uh, all invested in. Uh, joining us now, uh, Mike Langley, who is a climber. Uh, a, a man who I think is a, a leader 
and not in life, but I think in climbing. Okay, fine. Um, and uh, I think he's he's also a kind of climbing wall manager. You'll tell us more. Good afternoon, Mike. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. And a commentator, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, superb day of sports climbing the last couple of days mm. as well. It's, it's been at very sociable hours as well, 9 a.m. starting time in the UK. So hopefully lots of people have been tuning in. Yeah, it was. It was great watch. I think did you catch any of this? Yeah, well, I'm watching some of it now. So, yeah. so, so, so one one event is a bit like the wall in Gladiators, but without yeah. a gladiator behind you. But you've got to. It's sort of one v one, and you just got to get to the top and press the button first. Is is that correct, Mike? Yeah, essentially, sport climbing of this games is 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 what we call the combined format. So there's three disciplines in climbing. There's speed, which you're talking about there, which is head-to-head, fastest time wins. Then you move on to bouldering, which is four very physical challenges uh, above a bouldering mat. No ropes required. It goes up to about four and a half metres. Then you move on to the lead climb, which is like it's like the, the marathon in a comparison, the, the marathon of athletics is, is that's what it's like for climbing. Mm. It's that all three of them are being combined together and you've got to be you've got to be superior in at least two of those if you want to be pushing for a medal. That strikes me you wouldn't ask a marathon runner to do a sprint or vice versa. So are there people in the sport saying, Well, to combine all three, you know, it's it's horses for courses. You could be great at speed, or is it you've got to be kind of pretty good at all of them as opposed to a specialist in one? Oh, it's a great question, and that's what many people have been asking since it was decided to go Olympic in 2016. Speed, honestly, is just so different mm. to boulder and lead. Really, the boulder and the lead, they they could be seen as quite similar skill sets, but the speed is just so far and away a different sport altogether. So to chuck them all together, it was controversial, to be honest, but sport climbing just fits the Olympic motto, higher, faster, stronger, so well that they chucked them together. It's a one medal event. In Mike's limited experience of climbing, uh, it is it's sort of it is impossible to articulate how tiring it is, mm. and the strength that these guys have in their just in, the, in the the top bit of their finger is sort <laughs> of mind blowing. Yeah, if, if anybody has the chance to watch climbing, it, like you say, it's pretty mind-blowing. It's actually hard to relate to. We're talking about one or two centimetre edges is a good quality hold. It, it's, it's incredible, but it's, but it's full body. That's what's great about climbing. It's not only fingertips. It's strength in the wrist, the forearms, loads of shoulder strength needed, but it's all through. The core needs to be really strong. Climbing, speed climbing, it's legs as well. So it's a bit of a, definitely a bit of an all-round sport, but some of the overhangs that you get to see climbers, 40 degrees overhanging in lead wall today, it's, it is, it's awesome. If you ask some, uh, the average Joe in the street to describe a climber, they'll think of Chris Bonington, they'll think of a man with a beard, who is, who is an absolute legend, uh, came in and saw yep. us a while back, a wonderful man, but it's, this is very different, isn't it? I just wonder what sort of background people come in to sport climbing from. I mean, some, I'm sure some are gymnasts, they've come in it from a different route, haven't they? Well, completely. The, the, the roots of climbing are very much those kind of alpine origins, like you say, but honestly sport climbing now it's it's the polar opposite of that no pun intended it's completely different these guys are, are like I say they're extremely gymnastic there's over 400 indoor climbing centers around the uk at the moment so most people are starting indoors britain's shauna coxie who has just gone in the uh, qualifying round started at four years old that's how young they're starting them indoors these days and and what other countries you know who you sort of presume you know Nepal might have quite a good uh, yeah. you know yeah. climbing who who are the good climbing countries 
so traditionally back in the early sort of late 80s early 90s when sport climbing became competitive on this scene which is so far away from the mountains you can't imagine it was actually those traditional alpine towns that still had strong climbers people like the austrians the french but nowadays the japanese it's become much more of an urban sport japanese slovenians are really up there as well uh, how are you pitching it, Mike, in commentary? Because I suppose, you, you know, you've got to lead people by the hand who have never seen this, but you've probably got mm. people watching this who are so pleased at their favourite sport and they know the jargon. They, 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 so it's quite a difficult balance, isn't it? Yeah, I've got action sports commentating legend Ed Lee next to me and he's he's not as experienced with me so it, in climbing. So he kind of addresses the jargon a little bit and I just go full-blown climbing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a really exciting combination and uh, hopefully it's such a visual sport that the, the kind of action speaks for itself a little bit. And would you like one day sort of it to expand and a sort of free solo, you know, event, a sort, you know, one of those <laughs> four-hour or four-day events to, to, to uh, come into the Olympics? Well, Thinking out loud, that's quite a dangerous idea, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the most popular climber, if we're talking about social media, Alex Honnold, he was so mm. famous for that free solo ascent in Yosemite. He's actually doing the commentary for some of the stuff in the States. Um, it's very, very different. Really, what we're looking for is a good performance. It's actually gone already into the Games for Paris 2024. And there's more medals there where speed climbing and boulder and lead have been separated out. So we're going to see a lot more speed climbers, which, to be honest, is probably the most spectacular element of climbing mm. at these games. Then the boulder and the lead can go back together. And are both finally both men's and women's finals on Friday, mate? Uh, women's finals Friday, men's finals on Thursday. Unfortunately, Britain's Sean Acoxy, MBE, got knocked out early. Oh. Hence, I think it was, in the end for her... Yeah, 10th, the cut-off was 8th. It was absolutely desperate to watch in the end. She's had uh, an incredible uh, sport. Um, she's just been amazing throughout her career. She's actually retiring at the end of this game. So today is the last time we'll see her on the match. And she's been an absolutely amazing ambassador for, for climbing and, and hopefully inspired many, many generations to come, especially in the women's side of our sport. Mike, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Well, there we are. That was this afternoon's show. We're back tomorrow. Uh, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that uh, Charlie Baker put on a fine show in the birthday spread, heaping more pressure on Max Rushton. So, yeah, demoted to world ranking number three at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> and out of three competitors, that's not great. So we'll be doing it all again uh, tomorrow. I hope you can join us. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.